Welcome back to the Troubleshooting Life Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Poston, with my co-host, Jay Peters, where we talk about various topics, sharing our experiences on life and finance. What's up, man? What's going on? Not much. Uh, I, I would say another week, but we skipped a week, and, and now we're here. <laughs> yeah, we always continue to say that. We've got dynamic schedules, so it's going to be pretty hard to schedule something together or at least get the time or dedicate the time to just even sit down for a couple hours and chop it up. Yeah, yeah. So if people don't know, and why it sounds kind of the timeline sounds kind of crazy is because we again we have those ones that we have in the background or or say in our store so yeah we have some podcasts and stories that we will play when we can't you know make the same time schedule together yeah so that's actually helpful and that way we don't miss any uh but then it might sound odd if we're talking about something that was probably last year but so yeah, yeah, I think that the previous podcast one that we just put out was around the time you just closed on the property. Yeah. Um, so I can't really remember. I don't think we mentioned what time frame that was in the video or in the audio, but that's just how far back it was. Yeah, that was that was definitely December when I closed on that property of yeah. last year. Yeah. Which is the plan again this year to to actually try to close on another. Hopefully it'll be before December, but it was perfect because it it, based, it it aligned with my goals. My goals were to actually get a property by the end of the year or by my birthday, which is close to the end of the year or really the beginning of the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing I meant to mention to you, and I was re-looking at it today, is a website called auction.com where it'll show you properties that are up for auction or upcoming for auction to where you could... Uh, you know, bid on, and some of them you can even do uh, bids virtually, where like you can do it through the website or through the app. And there are, uh, and it can be for here in San Antonio, or it could be like you know wherever you plan on getting other properties. Uh, yeah. Or another one, well, I guess I think if they're in person ones, you can send a proxy for you to at least you know they'll physically be there, but you'll you know be in contact with them in some fashion, like on the phone, saying like, hey, this is you know. This is the threshold. This is where I want you to go to. Stuff like that for this was Yeah, oh, that sounds cool. I uh, definitely would like anything to help me eliminate all the decisions you have to make when it comes to uh, deciding on a property. Yeah, uh, yeah, or or even just searching for one. I mean, your real estate agent helps you out with that that process, but I mean, to be able to narrow, help them narrow it down too. Say, hey, this is something I'm looking at. Can you tell me more about it? Because your real estate agent can help you with the research on that. Yeah, I think it's very good to be granular on your search. And I think like when you're first starting out, whether it's, you know, for your personal home or for an investment property is that, you know, what am I really looking for and stuff. And I think if you, after you jump in and get like your first property, like I said, whether that's your personal or investment property, you kind of get those criteria knocked out. I said, you know, this is like the area I want it to be in. This is like the type of floor plan. This is, you know, beds, baths, this is the square footage, you know, hopefully these things are around it, like certain amenities and stuff like that. So I think if you can communicate those effectively to the real estate agent, it makes their job a little bit easier and it helps the overall timeline go a lot better. Yeah. Because now I still ask questions. I'll send send something I haven't really said in concrete, hey, I'm buying this, uh, but I'll say, hey, uh, what, uh, what do you think about this property? Because I'll, I'll look at something and I'm like, okay, it looks like it's good. It looks like it might make sense. And then just ask more questions of, okay, what do you think about it? Then they'll, they can look at it or either call the, the actual listing agent for that property and ask more questions to see if, if this property is distressed. So it needs um, a lot of work to it. 
or if it's something that's already income producing or any, anything like that. Yeah. Like disclose whatever else is available that yeah. you, you personally probably wouldn't know, especially if you don't have a relationship with that other real estate agent. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's no, it, it makes sense to have all the tools you can to narrow down all the, it, the things you need to know for the properties you want to purchase. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Yeah. I would say, you know, let's talk about goals, but I could tell you one thing. I have not been hitting any of my goals. I may be, I know my main goal, you know, like I said, it was my birthday resolution goal, which all I did was just read up on that so I can start again, you know, gaining more knowledge, analyzing properties, uh, saving money and, and uh, eventually uh, purchasing a property. And it's, um, again, I think I put properties, so I'm trying to figure that that process out. So that might mean I have to buy something with at least two doors or more, yeah. uh, just so I can meet that 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 type of quota instead of, unless I, uh, you know, purchase someone else's portfolio. That's a, that's another way to do it. Yeah, I've definitely been seeing a lot of those. So if you've ever used the app or website called LoopNet, you can filter by multifamily properties. And sometimes when you filter by multifamily, they consider multiple single family homes within a portfolio as multifamily, at least by their filter, not necessarily by loans you can get. But yeah, I've seen a lot of those, especially on, on the Northwest side of town, where I think there was one where the portfolio was like seven or eight properties. I mean, I think all of them are single family homes and I think it's going for like 2.6 mil, something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. But I thought that was pretty cool where you, you can you know, sell your entire portfolio or you can purchase a portfolio of properties that already exist. Yeah, I mean, and, and sometimes that's like the, the better way, right? I mean, because if you think about even with a small business, if you purchase someone who's already went through everything and this business is established, it's a lot easier to purchase them to keep you from starting one up, which may fail within, as they always say, within the first five years. Yeah. Uh, and then it's the same with, uh, you know, your real estate. It might be easier just to purchase properties already there, existing income producing properties versus trying to start up because which is slower, a lot slower process because you purchase one here, purchase one there, you save up money here, you save up money there, or you learn how to, you know, invest other people's money, which I'm not at that level yet. And I would not want to mess with anyone's money. So that's why I'm like taking my own money that I'm saving and, and come up with other ways with the bank, you know, to, to get there. Yeah. No, I definitely agree because I think a lot of people say startup is probably the, the longest part or, or it takes the most amount of resources to do. Yes. Like you said, not just, you know, monetary wise, but time wise, you have to learn all the stuff. You have to get the right people or, you know, make contact with the right people to get certain things started. Where if you get with someone that's already established, you know, say, take on the business, take on their portfolio, get with them, see what they can provide you knowledge wise to kind of set you up in a, in a better path, then it, it was definitely worth the maybe more monetary investment to save you the X amount of time it took them to get the yeah, uh, definitely makes sense. I don't know. Did you want to talk about any any goals of yours? Uh, you kind of kind of along the lines of me, like not really hitting them, hitting them. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, like it's a it's like one of those spectrum type of things. Like you have goals, and they may change, they may not. So right now, like financial goals, I think I'm I'm at that point just because we're trying to you know, saving up for the wedding and stuff, and uh, I do want to focus on getting another property, but I'm still kind of on the fence on like what type of property as in, you know, I have a single family house. I have a couple of duplexes. I would want to get a fourplex or another thing I was thinking about is getting like a, a commercial property and stuff like that, renting out those to, to businesses. 
rather than having a residential property. And then another thing I was thinking about was doing like Airbnb properties. And we were kind of talking about it earlier where yeah, buy like a vacation home or something out somewhere like, let's say Florida and Airbnb it for the time that you're not there and stay in it when you have to stay in it or when you would get to stay in it. Yeah. No, because that, uh, that's definitely, definitely a, a dream of mine that I know can come true. It's just where and when, you know, when yeah. it's like one of those things. And when, uh, you know, cause like you got to make sure that you're at a, a point where the bank is like willing to accept the risk on you. Cause if you're talking about buying a vacation home, they already know you're not going to be there. So what are you going to do? Are you just going to make the payments or is anyone going to stay there? You know, like it, it, it stays like that. So and like, what's your strategy? Like, will you have a property manager? Will you self-manage it remotely? Yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And then finding out that in, you know, insurance companies like it when you have someone that can watch the property or a, fam- a relative that can watch the property because they know that it won't just sit there and diminish. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I, I found that out as I was shopping for insurance or even just, I actually, I think it was at the point I was already just saying, hey, I want to go with you. And that was one of the things, it was like a tidbit of information that the guy gave me. And it was like, if, you know, because I, I think I mentioned about uh, buying a property in Florida to him. And, and that's how he, he, we came up. We, we started talking about that. And he basically was saying that if you want to do that, it's better to have a property manager or someone that can watch it if you don't, because insurance companies like that, you know, they might not accept you if you don't do something like that. Where they can't validate that someone's going to take care of it. Yeah. Exactly. Because they already know not. Yeah. 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 Because, uh, and, and then uh, it was a lot, like I said, a lot easier where purchase this property or that property that we were talking about on the last podcast there, which my family, which my sister, they, they all, you know, mom and dad, they, they live near that area. So they, it was easy for them to like, Hey, go check on this place if needed yeah. uh, before I turned it over to a property manager. So it was a lot easier to, to get the insurance company accept that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good tip though, and good thing to kind of watch out for, especially for people that want to do remote property acquisitions or investments to where, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they like going to Florida for vacation, like let's say like the Dustin area. So and I'm sure a lot of people would like to invest in it, but even the smallest detail could cause them to not either not get the property or for people not to work with them because you need insurance. Like that, that's like a requirement to, yep. to get the loan before it closes is that, Hey, this your insurance company has to give us this information before mm-hmm. so if, if that's like a make or break for a lot of people then it it's worth annotating and, and, and learning yeah and i think another thing too that makes it slow with uh purchasing is if if you look at it from a conservative view instead of like okay i'm i'm, I'm willing to risk it all where if you you know you got the down payment you got the closing costs but what about renovation costs do you want to keep you know slow down your process where you're you're making payments and take away money you know, from whatever you're doing. And yes, you can always pull from credit cards, whatever else, right? You could, or you can do deals with the bank of the, I guess the after value. Yeah. Uh, you have to repair value. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that that where you could work that all in a deal. Again, something I'm not there yet. You know, that's why I, I try to work with other experienced real estate investors. So we can, I can figure this out. But that is something to think about when I'm trying to purchase a property, a portfolio, whatever. But that's one of the things I think about is just being a little conservative where I got, I have the, the renovation money ready to go too, along with it. And then where it doesn't mess with any of my other money. Cause I keep separate, separate accounts. Yeah. Right. I mean, other than finance stuff, like health wise, and you know, I just saw my doctor recently this past week and you know, everything seems to be fine. So I don't think a lot of people do it. I mean, and maybe it was just my view that a lot of people don't do like those annual checkups 
like they should. They they go when they're sick or they you know they just avoid the doctor in general because I don't know maybe they're taught to just avoid doctors but they don't like paying doctor bills. But I think it's good to do like annual checkups and it doesn't have to be like a long one. Like mine was maybe like fifteen minutes. Like hey you know check your reflexes, check your stuff, you know, go over your medical history, stuff like that. Do you feel any better? Do you feel any worse? Scales of one to 10 or, or, you know, it does, you know, these certain, you know, bodies, body parts like muscles hurt. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people, I man, maybe it's not a lot of people, maybe it's just people that I'm more familiar with don't do that. And so like when they go to the doctor, they have like a lot of anxiety about it as in like, you know, they're going to find something wrong because I have gone or, I don't go because of the, all they do is find something wrong. Yeah. No, I, I definitely believe in the uh, annual reviews by the doctor because I, I, I keep one set up. I like my doctor. He's pretty cool. And then he does the, the full out test on me you know, every year and tells me that, you know, I'm a fat ass and I, I need to, you know, get my life together. <laughs> no, he's not that harsh, but he's like, he, he's basically, you just say, hey, you need to watch your numbers or whatever. And I think things are different now that I'm, not on active duty where I used to, I, I worked out twice a day versus now I like work out maybe three or four days out of the week, you know, so mm-hmm. like, so like, yeah, the, the body has to adjust to all of those different things. Yeah. And Especially it, with like different weather or different climates, like here in San Antonio, yeah. there's a lot of uh, humidity and heat, uh, yeah. a lot of allergens in the air, but let's say like, yeah, I, I definitely don't like going outside as much uh, during those, the when it's super hot one, but yeah, when the, the allergies are getting bad here. But in Germany, it's just, it was pressure. The air was so much, it was so much better there. I mean, yes, you have your pollen and everything else because they have a lot of a lot of trees, a lot of greenery, but it was just something when I, you, you breathe in the air, it's like, I go for a run, it was, it was I, I was energized. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time I went for a run when I got here, and San Antonio, I was like, man, I feel heavy. Yeah, like everything was, I feel like, and I know it was still in good shape, but I was like, everything felt heavy. <laughs> running here in, in San Antonio, like I think if you really want to train to run someplace, either do it here or do it like Colorado. Because in Colorado, of course, like the altitude rate is very high. Yeah. Um, so that's why a lot of people like to train there, especially in the cold where it's hard to breathe. But here, then you go from a place where it's like, Maybe not as cold or, or, or sorry, not as hot. You come here, and maybe it's a humidity too. But you start running, you feel it. You feel it like almost instantly. So I, I think this would probably be a great place to train, and then go someplace where it's you know have a has better consistent weather. Yeah, I mean, but all in all, yeah, you're right. You know, you know, health is wealth, right? Yeah. You, they, you gotta, you gotta be part of all of it. You can't just like work on your financial life. You can't work on you know, you know, certain other areas of your life. You gotta, you gotta do it all if you wanna. You want to make it somewhere. Yeah, well, you can. But I like, like, you definitely see people that are out of shape, but they have a lot of money. And then, yeah. then vice versa, where they you know, are in really good shape, but they may not have a lot of money. Yeah. Well, I got that. Yeah. But it, I mean, all, if you want it to really work together, because like, think about it, if you're not, if you're not healthy, but you have a lot of money, how long will you get to enjoy that money? Yeah. All right. And, I mean, and if you're in shape, how long will you really be broke? Right. You don't know. So yeah, so you because using that motivation of how you like to stay in shape because that that's something you're willing to endure something and you have a goal yeah. you can always use that to to get ahead. That's why I like uh, making a lot of delusions to fitness because you know in fitness you go through a lot of resistance, especially if you do resistance space training. And you know when you're working out, it never really feels great to work out, right? There's always some like external factor that's like it hurts, right? Like running doesn't feel great for the entire time, right? Well, lifting weights doesn't always feel great, but then you kind of get used to it not feeling great. And just like in life, like things don't always work out. 
things are going to be painful. I think if you expect the pain, like how working out you expect pain, then your outlook or your reactions would be a little bit different. Yeah. All right, man. We want to, you know, get down to our main topic. All right. This one is called Success Requires Sacrifice, which is very true. Uh, Unless somehow you were given everything, but then did you seem to that true success? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I really, uh, I like this title. Uh, It it definitely speaks to me because it it really, it, it is truly that like anything that you want requires some type of sacrifice. Uh, did you, I, I can't remember whose title this is because I, I, I really, because that's something I believe in too. Yeah. I think this might've been mine, but uh, no, I, okay. I, yeah. just, I just pulled stuff. So kind of going over it. The So success often requires sacrifice because it involves making choices and prioritizing certain things over others. So, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit before where, you know, if you're in school and, you know, really focusing on school and getting into your education and getting a degree, you may not be able to go out and socialize as often as you would want to. Right? I'm not saying you can't socialize, but if the primary goal is to get the degree and not, you know, have a great time with your with the peers, then you'll have to spend more time studying or more time working on projects, papers, whatever it is. So while you're sacrificing some social time with your friends or, or peers, it, it's worth it because your definition of success is getting the degree and moving forward with your life into whatever career path you want. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, again, something, something I agree with. Uh, everything, again, requires that sacrifice. When I'm out in, in school, how I used to have to drive back home because I preferred the job that I had. I would, And when I say back home, I was driving like an hour and a half like on the weekend. So I may got a chance to party a little bit uh, throughout the week. And then after what's that Friday night, I was probably headed to my parents' home because it was a job there I was working. And it actually paid me more money to just keep that job versus uh, going with a minimum wage job or some other job over in the area where I was going, going to school. And that would definitely weigh on the party life. I mean, it keeps it at a minimum. I mean, it also gives you time to study, too, because you're away from everybody. So it, it just depends on how you look at it. But again, it, it still all requires some type of sacrifice. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah, I can like, again, that's why I can relate to this topic a lot, because every everything takes a little bit of something. Even even from the time I was trying to get a second degree and I refused to I won't say I refused. I just didn't think it was worth my time to go home and take a nap and then go to class because I was working an overnight job. But like if I slept in the car. Uh, which I sacrificed my comfort, I would have enough energy to keep going throughout the day so I could I could actually uh, go to my classes. So that's, you know, again, uh, it's something we always have to do to, to get ahead. Yeah. And, you know, dude, you saying sitting in the car for like, you know, just taking a nap or something, that kind of speaks to me too because when I was first going through my bachelor's, you know, I'd work on one side of town, uh, do my work, then I, I would go to the gym there. But I'd be so tired, I would, you know, take like a 15, 30 minute nap in my car just so, because I knew I would wake up because it, yeah. it was uncomfortable. Yeah, I knew exactly. it, was a, it was comfortable enough for me to take a short nap and then yeah. go work out and then go to school. And then, you know, I wouldn't get down with school until like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night and then go home, go to sleep and then start all over again. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's always, it's always something to, that you have to sacrifice to get ahead. I mean, the same as like if we were... You had roommates, right? It, it's also better for your finances, but then you have to give up privacy, you know, like, so you, you, you always got someone at home versus, you, you know, as you at your own apartment 
You mean you can walk around the way you want to walk around? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, technically, you probably could. Your roommates probably would. Yeah, they would appreciate that very much. So, yeah, so yeah, everything is going to require a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of that sacrifice. Uh, so, the first one on this one is time and effort. So, a lot of things people will have to sacrifice is their time. We kind of talked about that a little bit just now, but achieving success in any endeavor typically demands significant time, effort, and dedication. This may mean sacrificing leisure activities, social engagements, personal time in order to focus on pursuing and achieving your goals. So, we kind of talked about it a few times throughout the different episodes of podcasts where, you know, our schedules, whether it was, you know, whether we're in college or even now can be very hectic, not, maybe not hectic is the correct word, but they're very packed full of stuff. So like when I was going through college, like I said, I would go to work in the morning, go to the gym right after, and then go to school and then, you know, rinse, repeat. Right. And that, those were pretty long days. I don't think I ever slept for eight hours. I'm not saying people have to sleep for eight hours, but if the typical recommendation is sleep for eight hours and you're not getting it, then you may feel weird, feel different, but that's like a, a sacrifice you're going to have to make it. And is that time, right? You're either going to have to, because I could have sacrificed the time to not work out, right? And maybe taking a little bit more time to get to school or taking in a little bit more for rest between work and school. But I did want to dedicate more time or the time that I had to my health and my fitness and then, you know, sleep when I could or somehow the backfill that sleep whenever I could. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, it's, I think that might be a requirement, right? For success, the <laughs> lack of sleep. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I think you can, you can do it in like seasons, right? As a, like, so like, you know, for sports, right? Certain sports, they have on and off seasons. Yeah. So like if I'm in basketball, there's a different way I train when I'm on my on season versus when I'm on my off season. I might take a little bit more relaxing on my off season. I might, you know, sleep in a little bit more. I might do a few more activities during that time. But as long as you know when to be in that specific season. And I think a lot of people, they, they'll hear, Hey, this person isn't sleeping. So like Mark Wahlberg is a very famous person for this. Well, he, where he'll have like those, what, four, four o'clock, four 30 wake up and then work out. And then I think he'll do like two days during that time. But by the time, you know, most people wake up, let's say if that time is like six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, like he's already gone through a workout, probably done some like real work or business stuff, like way before a person's even got one alarm. Right. Yeah. Um, but he even explains that it's not forever, right? Like I do that during specific times, like when I'm doing a movie or you know, maybe when I'm off of a movie, this is my schedule. But it's not perpetual as in, you know, 24 seven or every day out of the year, I'm going to be doing a schedule. It's just, I understand that when I need to get certain work done, this is how I can get that done is by optimizing my schedule to where I wake up before people are able to get a workout and I'm able to become more productive in the morning. And then when people are up and I actually need to make other obligations as in like meetings or, you know, take care of the kids, whatever it is. I can still do those, but this time is something I need to focus on. Yeah. No, no, I, it, it, was, it was more of a joke because some people know how to balance it just right because they, they know how to uh, actually fit the schedule perfectly where they actually get the sleep that they need to get to get going. I just say that because it seems like that's how my life has been. I've always had to sacrifice a little bit of sleep yeah. uh, to get something done. I can always push past, you know, your normal, normal work hours. If you, you work eight to five, you know, you're still working some in some type of way, right? It might not be exactly at your job, your, your, the W2 that you have, it could be in something else and you're working after hours to get there and which would take away some of your sleep. I mean, honestly, it could take away some of your workout time 
if you're tr- yeah if you're trying to you know maximize the, your time but again like you said it's in seasons so like you you're going to get back to working out because you know that's that's good for your health and you're going to get back to sleeping because you know that's good for your health yeah. uh but it's just something that you said because when it comes to well me doing certifications for i that it requires me to lose some sleep because once it gets down to crunch times getting down to the exam now i want to make sure i know everything i need to know so now i'm, I'm staying up a little bit later just to make sure I'm hitting high points and make sure my everything is not leaving my brain before I get to the exam. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, so we can you know go down to the next one. It's the comfort zone, right? Success often lies outside of your comfort zone. It requires pushing yourself beyond your limits, taking risks, embracing challenges. This can involve sacrificing the comfort and familiarities of staying with your comfort zone in order to grow and achieve your desire there's a desired level of success. Yeah. And then I think a lot of people, they look for comfort as in, so whenever I ask some people about, you know, what they want to do for their, their life or what they want to do professionally is that they want to get something comfortable as in something they can just show up for, do yeah. maybe the minimum or maybe, you know, do as much as they, they want to. And then that's it. Right. To where they don't have to have a, a lot of huge stresses, a lot of responsibility, and then they're okay with it. Right? I'm not saying there's yeah. anything wrong with that, but I think in the, depending on your, you know, definition of success, and especially in an economic portion of success, is that you're going to have to be uncomfortable at some point, right? And again, this is economic standpoint. So if you want monetary success, then you're probably going to have to learn some sort of skill or trade, right? That may take X amount of time. If you want to do it a lot quicker, then you're going to have to sacrifice certain times of like sleep, working out, whatever it is. Right. And then I've also learned, at least from my perspective, people that have a lot of responsibility get paid a lot because of that responsibility, as in because they're responsible for X amount of people, their work, you know, maybe they're responsible for them to even get paid because, you know, their job is what aligns to the business to get more clients or to get more money or funding. So now have the responsibility to get these people paid. So I need to put in X amount of work. Right. And yeah. none of that stuff was is very comfortable. Like it's not comfortable to, to put in, I don't want to say more work than is required because it's the work that's required, but maybe more work than you're, than you're used to. And that's probably the the comfort part. But I'm also one of those people where I would rather be uncomfortable or experience the uncomfortable portion to see like, what am I willing to do? Like how uncomfortable am I willing to go and then scale back if I need to? Yeah. And, and and like you were saying earlier about the seasons, it's probably something we can't operate too long in that zone because uh, if it it might cause burnout. But again, you need to know where's your, where's your limit. Right. Yeah. Uh, if if you're good, especially if you, you use uh, working out. Right. Uh, for this example. Right. All right. You, you basically if you always go off of what you're comfortable with, you'll never make it to the next level. As I, I can say that for our fitness, uh, physical fitness, the test that we had, yeah. we always, uh, I would always make around the same score every time. Mm. And I, and, and it was because it was comfortable. Yeah. But when I realized I wanted to get promoted and you get more points for the score well, on the physical test. Yeah. For the score on the physical. Yeah. Yeah. So you get more points and that's more points that goes towards your, your promotion points. Right. And then what I would, learn to do is just push myself a little bit further because I realized it was mental because mm. especially if you you run a certain speed you used to run in a certain speed you used to breathe in a certain way how how can you push yourself where you can still breathe but run faster and that was the one of the things I guess it's it makes you feel like you're you, you're losing oxygen when you run faster so you like you run you could 
say it's almost like a sprint, right? You're jogging, but it's almost like a sprint. And what you're, what I have to do is realize I would take shallow breaths instead. And I wasn't losing breath. I was actually still taking the same amount of breaths, just, just faster. That's all. I was like, it, it's, and it was, uh, what, yeah. So I would had to, that's what I had to learn that, that I had to be a little uncomfortable to get to that new zone that I was looking for. Yeah. So that, that, that was one way I, could, I knew I could relate to that. And always when it comes to anything mental, right? Mentally challenging, you, you have to push yourself, you know, like, cause if you go off of what's comfortable, I mean, you'll never make it past, you know, your peers, right? Because yeah. you, you, you need to, at some point, you know, be a little bit better than, than, than the last time that you were there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I, I, I definitely agree with stepping outside of your comfort zone, especially public speaking. That's definitely, that's stepping outside of your comfort zone. I, I remember how terrifying the first time I really had to start to, to do this stuff, especially when it's like, you have to go off memory. Yeah. And it, what I learned how to beat that one is try to own whatever I'm trying to say. Mm. And when I did that, it became a little bit more comfortable to stand in front of people to tell them something. <laughs> and then, yeah, start and stop thinking about what, I'm, you know, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is being judged. Think about what I'm saying needs to get out and they need, really need to hear this. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's, you know, for public speaking specifically, it's one of those highly feared things. I think it's like one of the number one fears that people have is public speaking. And it might be more and more as the oncoming generations because you know, we have social media and it's funny because it says social media, but it makes people a little bit less social, at least in, in, mm-hmm. in, in one-on-one conversations or in group conversations. But of course, you know, buying a keyboard, various different. But yeah, no, I think a lot of people should get into public speaking. That's why I, so in high school, probably in uh, middle school, they teach a class about speech. And for a lot of high schools, it's a requirement for them to, to pass to get their, their degree or their diploma. And yeah. I, I think it's good because uh, I remember going through speech class and I was definitely afraid of speaking in front of people when I was, you know, always messing up. But that's the plan of the class is that it's there to improve you and to really get you out of that comfort to, to get you in front of people that, you know, maybe you know them, maybe you don't. And maybe you're speaking about things that you're not fully informed on the other thing i liked about it was that they would choose different topics that you probably wouldn't have even thought of, right so one of them you know you would talk about a celebrity and you know all their stuff one of them you would talk about certain trades and stuff like that but it was always something different so you would never feel comfortable talking about one specific thing and now you could have this different range of things that you could talk about so you could talk in front of you know an educational platform in front of a, a professional platform you could you know inform you know, different students or even inform investors, whatever it is, there was different ways to, to speak and to learn who your audience is. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that leads to something I was thinking about while you said that I recently had to go to my daughter's, well, it was both my kids actually, their school, but I was actually speaking to my, one of my daughters, great, great. We basically, what is it like career day? They call it career cafe. Yeah. They call it. Yeah. And what, we had to, what I had to do was actually tell them about what I do. And uh, basically I focus more on the engineering side of it. So they would just see, you know, or to tell them how, uh, what they need to do to become an engineer, which is funny. is like, I think what happened is they took a, a, a test or something like that to show their skills or whatever. Like a mini ASVAB. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And then like their skills showed that they were more interested in engineering, which is funny. You had a guy in there that was actually talking about the army. So, but I was like, well, I can relate to you and I'll tell you this and, you know, explain that to him. And, but I was, you know, that was, I would say, I won't say it was uncomfortable, but it was a little uncomfortable because it's kids and I don't know how to respond to kids. Right. Like, 
and then you know how to break things down so they can understand it. So that I found myself, if I say a word, I made sure that I tried to relate it to something that they were there, uh, that they're used to. So I, I could get my point across, but, uh, that was, that was interesting. And definitely I would say it's out of my, my comfort zone, uh, at that point in time, uh, which was great. She felt better about it after I did it uh, and didn't realize how well kids respond to, you know, they actually respond really well. I mean, you, you get them involved, you have the, ask them questions, give them the spotlight for a second and you actually, yeah, kids are sometimes better than adults. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, I think it's because like, as you grow up, you, you kind of gain certain anxieties. Like, I think if, if you ever notice, like children, they, they'll speak like yeah. all the time, right? It's not until, you know, someone reprimands them or tells them, hey, you should stop talking or whatever it is, or you're, you're being a certain way, so please stop that. It's not until they get told that enough that they just stop. They either stop talking or they don't give up as much information as they would, right? What do you yeah. think? But, um, yeah. But and that's why we were kind of talking about like who, who teaches your kids or who provides certain information to your kids is very important uh, yeah. on like their. Yeah. I, I mean, that was kind of that was kind of near and dear to my heart because uh, uh, about someone coming to speak, because when I was a kid and someone did that same thing for me, I think I almost got turned off from college a little bit because hearing that you have to go to school for eight years. But what? Cause I, cause it was veterinarian I was interested in and that that was one of the things they brought up. But what I, what I spoke to them, I made sure to let them know that everything requires hard work. Uh, it doesn't matter how long you have to go to school. Everything requires hard work. So even if you don't go to school, like, yeah, yeah. it's going to require some sort of work, work, hard work uh, to get to wherever you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mentioned business also, even though it almost sounded like I said business, you know, but I was like, I was like, yeah, uh, yeah. If you, if you want to start a business. (laughs) <laughs> you get, yeah you uh you have to yeah it's hard work involved in that too you know so i was trying my best to relate as much as i could to you know what what we do you know without giving away everything that we do it right. and i think the the benefit of talking to children is kind of like what you said is a you learn to talk to the lowest intelligence but the least informed of what you have as in yeah. you know you explain things a little bit more into detail. You may not overspeak as it, or you may not use certain acronyms, right? Because they may not understand them. But, yeah. And you may not be like, you know, this is what binary is and stuff like that. But you say like, hey, you know, in IT, you work on computers, so you either fix them. You don't go into as much detail as you need to, right? You, you kind of play to the audience and stuff like that. Yeah, and, exactly. And I think it's yeah. good because you can, when I try to communicate, I try to talk to the lowest level as much as possible. Because I know if I start going off the rails, then it doesn't matter what I'm saying. He wants to understand me. So I'm not communicating properly. Right. But if I break it down either slowly enough or, or properly enough to where the people understand me, then it's, it, it's absorbed by more people that, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that was a learning experience. That was one that I was glad to have. Yeah. All right. Then in the, yeah, the next one is a uh, short-term gratification. Success often requires delayed gratification. It may involve making sacrifices in the present moment, such as foregoing immediate pleasures or indulgences, in order to invest in long-term goals and reap greater rewards. Right. We we kind of hit about hit on this a little bit, but I think a lot of people they enjoy the the short-term gratifications as in the very immediate things, as in, you know, I input something and I immediately get some sort of output, like, you know, and the thing I like about fitness specifically is that it's almost never sold that way, as in it's like, you won't get there within a week, right? Yeah. You're just going to hit the gym and get a six pack random week, right? It definitely takes time. Of course, there's a lot of variables into how much time it would take, like diet, body composition, goals are, stuff like that. 
but I don't think anyone sells it. I mean, there are people that will sell like, Hey, you can do this in six weeks. And it, but the, the thing is that you can do it in six weeks. Right. But it's not going to be done in eight weeks. Right. But you have to sacrifice a lot to get to those specific goals. Like if you're incredibly overweight and you want to get a six pack, yeah, you may have to cut down your diet a little bit. You may have to do a lot more cardio, but there is a point where you will get there if you're willing to put in all those, all that effort and all that execution to get there. And you may not see it right then and there, but I think that's also the beauty of fitness is that it's something that you have to work on to get there. And, you know, a lot of people will say plastic surgery and stuff like that. And that's kind of like their, their selling point is that, you know, why go to the gym, why diet when you could just get, you know, these surgeries and do it, but you also had to pay X amount of money. Right. But I think if you, you know, if it's worth getting, then it's going to take a good amount of time and effort to get there. Yeah. No, that, yeah, I agree with that. I, I was just thinking about some of the things that like sacrifices, just like, again, I think I've said it before on the podcast, I love cars. And it's one of the things that I would love to do is just keep constantly buying cars. But then where would that lead me if I'm not at my investment goals yet? Right. Yeah. That's, that's more of a, a, a pleasure thing, but working on my investments actually makes it where it'll be easier to afford those those things that are for gratification. Uh, and and saying it's, it's sometimes hard to trick the brain to tell it, hey, this is more important. But the easiest way is, uh, you know, I've heard it before. It's just if the money is meant for something, you kind of like push it into this certain account, allocate it for that, and and, and it makes it harder to get to. Yeah. And Grant Carmel says that, whereas like, you know, if you have a bunch of, you know, maybe it's not Grant Carmel, maybe it's someone else. Or if you have money, like put it into something that, you know, it looks like you don't have the money, like put it into like real estate because it's not hard cash that you have right now. Yeah. Right? And make sure you don't have a lot of money in your bank account so that, you know, you're still hungry enough to keep getting money for something or, or keep building. And I, I, I do. And, and I think Grant Cardone did mention that, uh, and it's probably other, other people too, but I can, I can see that because the other thing that makes you become defensive, you become defensive of your money too. Like, so now you don't want to push your money out when you need to versus like, if you already know this is what I'm using this money for, it's going, it's going to this investment. And when you're broke, you're looking for more money. So it's like, all right, I need to go grab more money. Uh, and it does, it kind of slows down the hunger. So yes, I, I do. Uh, I agree with that one. And I'm trying to think of other things that I've actually with my, cause I, I've definitely sacrificed. Oh yeah. Right now I'm reduced. I reduce sugar. I can't say that I'm zero sugar. Because it's it's kind of hard to say zero sugar. Yeah. Because if you notice, sugar is in like bread. So yeah, it's like when you actually look at it, it's like it. You really have to be very deliberate about picking your food. Yeah. Because I'm looking at like, and the only way I'll give myself sugar is through fruit. Yeah. So that's the the other way. So I was like, okay, I just have to have natural sugar, and sometimes it doesn't feel like enough. Cause you're so used to all those snacks. And so basically I, that's what I, I've reduced and I could feel the difference. And I'm not talking about it in a positive way. I'm talking about like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but those are like different sugar compounds, right? So like fruit is fructose, right? Stuff that you typically get from bread and pasta, glucose, yeah. right? So there's also like, like different levels of satiation or where it, it settles you um, yeah. for hunger, but fructose, you need you probably have to eat a lot of fruit to get the same amount of fruit produce that you would get glucose from like bread or pasta. Cause like, you know, in a couple pieces of bread, you get a 20, 40 grams of carbs and however much yeah. sugar is there. But with fruit, man, you could probably eat a whole watermelon and not get, get that much fruit. Yeah. And I mean, I just, 
any food that you eat, you get glucose anyway, right? So if you eat healthy food or if you eat uh, something that's not so healthy, it, it basically you still get the same. It's just it burns differently yeah. in your body. Yeah, it yeah. pulls it pulls it out differently. So yeah. it takes more effort to pull the sugars out when you don't have it directly from a starch source. Yeah, so that that's a that's a uh, definitely a, a sacrifice that I'm making right now. I mean, it's a lot lot easier with the sodas. I could keep away sodas, but I also it was with alcohol, and that was yeah. I mean, it's not so bad with alcohol. You can find find other things to do with your time or or things that kind of trick your brain. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol, yeah. So, because I remember when I was deployed, that was the one thing uh, we you're you're not supposed to have alcohol while you're while you're deployed. And they would have, as we call them, near beers. So they're alcohol-free beers. And it was, a, it was a good way to trick your brain that you're actually doing something because it's like very small amounts of alcohol in it. Yeah. Um, uh, some people, huh? Yeah, placebo effects. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was funny because some people would not even touch it because they didn't, they were like, it's not even real. I'm like, it gives me a little fake feeling. So like, you know, you have like wing night. It make me feel like I'm at Buffalo Wild Wings. And then like I'll have my wings and my beer, but it's big. <laughs> Yeah, near beer. You just got the taste of beer. That's pretty much what it was. Yeah. yeah. So uh, then the next one is uh, opportunities and trade-off. So sex may require making choices and trade-offs. You may need to prioritize certain opportunities or pass over others, which can involve sacrificing alternative options or pursuing a different direction in order to focus on what you believe and will bring you closer to success. Okay, yeah. So I was thinking about when when it comes to uh, certain loans, because that was uh, earlier when I was thinking about like ter- uh, types of investments, right? So you may pick a certain loan, say say an arm right now, right? Some people are uh, using arms for, to purchase properties, right? Sure. So like a five one, ten one, because I use a ten one, and uh, you have three three ones, and it, they they have to have a you know you have a reason for using it, yeah. right? Because if you use it just to purchase a personal property or primary resident, you, your your thinking about it may not work the same. I mean, and if you're not familiar with that type of product, right? But if you use it for investments, you can kind of gear your brain to like, okay, here, all right, in 10 years, I need to refinance this property. Or before 10 years, I need to refinance this property so I can get a fixed rate. You know, so like you, you like the trade-off was to get the loan quicker, which that's, that was the whole process of why I did a 10R. 10R was like, they set it up where this this loan was almost instant, all right? All we need to do is qualify that you you uh, you have the income, you have, you know, good credit, all those good things, and we, in the home meets appraisal value, we'll give you the money. And that was one of the, the trade-offs with, you know, using that product versus using a regular 30 fix, which had a higher interest rate, because obviously at this point in time, we have higher interest rates. So some people are deferring to using the the arm rates but you got to be ready to go you know that you need a certain amount of money of equity in the home or property that you're purchasing with this arm because when it's time to refinance refinance needs to happen or or you're going to pay that that larger payment that's coming down the line so i don't know if you you had something like that since well i wanted to know you want to go over arms and stuff because i i mean what yeah well uh, that's why i was coming to get a quick brief like the are you so a three like a three one, right? So uh always that's a good question, right? That'll be something I have to look up. But it's a adjustable. Okay. All right. So thank you. Cause I'm I'm used to just saying it by the short, just like you know, you get used to saying a lot of acronyms. Yeah. And but you know what it means, but you don't know what it actually stands for. But yeah, just for a uh, rate mortgage. Yeah, right? adjustable rate. So adjustable rate mortgage is it'll give you a timeline. So for yours, you said it was the 10-1. 
right? So within for ten years, it'll stay at one rate, correct? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that's that's correct. So by the next ten years, it would be at this one rate. But when it hits that eleventh year, it would actually go to a a different rate or whatever rate that is available at the time, right? Mm. Uh, so if the rates change, that's the rate that you're going with. So, but if you want, uh, and it's usually most likely it's going to probably be the higher one, right? <laughs> Not the lower one, because the bank wants to make money. Because mm. after the after the first five years of you owning the loan, you will pay majority interest to the bank anyway. So if anything they can do is get get you to pay more interest, you know. So I don't, that's the way they're gonna go. Yeah. Uh, but that's one of the the you know sacrifices you'll have to make for that one. And yes, uh, three one same thing. So three one where uh, on the next after three years you should be paying a different rate. Also, I was hearing somebody else explain it because it was uh it it had I think the first year it was something but like from what i read how it works is like from year one you will make the same rate up until that fourth year which is would be that you know that first year that you would actually change rates but again that's where people need to do more research because uh from what i was researching i was researching my product because i wanted to know what why the bank was trying to give me that versus give me a fix but they were trying to get me the loan to get me the rate and it actually made it where i didn't even have to make the full down payment but it all in the end the bank makes money off this but if you're using this if you're using this product as more of an investment than you're using it as a personal product. And it would make more sense to take all the 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 little things that the bank are trying to give you where they're making money. Yeah. Because all you got to do is refinance it and, and put it in, in a way where now the it's more and positive for you. The only issue is when you refinance, you basically renew the loan. So it's kind of like a restart. Yeah. So it, and to kind of go over, so with an arm, you can start out at a lower mortgage for X amount of time. So if you did a 10-1, that means for the first 10 years, it's at a certain mortgage rate. Now, if you kept with the arm for the 30-year mortgage, every year after that, they can adjust it, right? And typically, of course, it would be higher like you stated. Now, versus a fixed rate mortgage where it, for the entire 30 years, it is one specific rate, right? Even if the rates outside of you change, it'll still be that specific one unless you refinance or into a different rate. Now, the rates could be, you know, percentages and, and that definitely matters a lot when you're trying to purchase a home or, or getting the buying power for a property and you know, both have their pros and cons. But like you said, there are trade-offs to one, you know, because you're able to get an R, you're able to come in with a little bit less money up front and with a less initial percentage rate so that within the next 10 years, if rates get a lot better than what you currently have, you could refinance, you would be fixed for 30 years and you wouldn't have to worry for, you know, X amount of time. Yeah. And that's why, you know, where that, that was a, as more of a trade-off to use that uh, versus the using it on a personal product. Like if it's a personal property, as ours, we use VA. VA, yes, we didn't have to make it a, a down payment, but the interest rates also always come with a better interest rate and uh, always low co uh, closing costs, things like that. And you can also still make a down payment while having a VA. It's just not required. So it, you can you can always put your put yourself in a better position so you can catch whatever rate that's coming up. So if it's a, you know that rates are probably going to drop and you have that 20 percent, because that's what I found out through talking to banks, as long as you have 20 percent of equity in, in a loan for that property, then you can refinance easily without any putting any money down. Yeah, typically they want 20, 25% and just to account for changes in, in pricing. But as long as you have 20%, you could refinance into a conventional loan. Typically, you can refinance into any loan. You could refinance to an FHA loan if you needed to, at least just to get your VA loan back. But, you know, pros and cons, trade offs, 
Yeah, exactly. It's like one of those things you, you have to read into it to figure out if that's the, the right thing for you. And that's where these opportunities come in because you actually did the research and you understand, okay, I can, I'm going to give a little bit because they're giving me something too. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the next one is uh, personal development. So achieving success often requires or often involves personal growth and development. This may entail acquiring new skills, knowledge, or experiences, which may require sacrifices in terms of time, energy, or resources to invest in, in self-improvement. Right. So, and I think like we both have like a test or testaments to yeah. personal development, because that's literally what we focus on a lot is that, or maybe there was a point in time where we realized the situation we're in is not the situation we want to be in for a long period of time. So what can I do for myself to get me out of the situation? Right. And then at some point it'll probably become, what can I do to help my family get out of the situation or put them into a better situation? Right. So we, we feel, or we try to take as much ownership as possible to where the situation won't get better or the situation won't change until I change until like, I acquire a new scale. You know, I go to school, I, you know, work for a trade, I gain more knowledge or I invest, you know, X amount of time and resources into this thing to then hopefully get better, hopefully find a better opportunity to, for like a monetary standpoint, get more money or, you know, get more freedom for my schedule to spend more time with my kids, whatever it is. Right. But, and I mean, everything we talked about is, is personal development, you know, going to school, uh, you know, working on our craft, even though we're not at work, right. Trying to speak to people or, or like do public speaking and, or do uncomfortable things. It's all for the betterment of ourselves and, a, and in turn, hopefully the betterment of our family, community, et cetera. Yeah, no, definitely personal development takes, I think it takes mo the most sacrifice out of all. Investing in yourself can take money, can take time. It could, it could take a lot of things. It also, uh, again, you say with the uh, family, I remember when it comes to certifications, if I'm getting down, it's crunch time, I don't spend much time with family at all. I'm probably either taking, uh, going to bed, then waking up in the middle of the night, and then, but I, I'm not really seeing them much. And then also if I'm, I have to shut the door, do anything where I'm separated or, I mean, even my wife even told me, hey, just go somewhere else so you can study. But there's still us time taken away, right? I knew that I'm not hanging out. She even told me, because uh, it was a property I was looking at, and she was like, yeah, you should you get it and use half of it as your office so you can study, you know, because that's how much I was studying. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, I mean, I mean, she she just believes in stuff that I, I that I'm going for. If I'm trying to do it, I'm trying to do it, right? Yeah. I, so I'm, I, she knows that I'm always trying to get get ahead in some kind of way. So and it was just because you know when it comes to VA, that's where it came from. So VA, you have to uh, make to come. Uh, yeah, you have to occupy the property for a certain amount of time before they allow you to use it for other things. Now, granted, I'm not sure how much they actually pay attention to this, but it, uh, it was a way around it. She was telling me, "Hey, use it as an office temporarily to until you get both sides rented," because it was basically talking about. Actually, no, it was a four. It was a it was a quadplex, and and basically she was like, "Just use one." one of the sides as your office, or I say sides, actually one of the apartments as as, just, as your office. And then that way you can say that you still live there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like I said, she was helping me with my goal, what I was trying to do. And it was for VA, it only you know, allows a certain amount of entitlements. So I knew I would have to still put money down to do this regardless, but it, it still, it was all a plan. It was something to, that you have to do, some type of sacrifice you have to do to get a hit. So there's, in a sense, it would have been like a, a two for investment. It was an investment for myself and an investment, you know, like in, in myself, I would say, and also uh, 
financially. Because uh, what you could do is, like, say, if, like I said, if it was a fourplex, if each unit was like a three bedroom, you could use one bedroom as an office and rent the other two rooms in that one unit. And then, of course, rent the other units out. Um, yeah. And technically, technically, it'd still be utilized in a property. Because so, what one of my buddies does that is that he has two properties that are both under VA and he kind of just goes between them because he works near one and then he lives in the other one. So, that's just the way he, he's used. No, no, so I mean, it's always that's the thing, though. Like, you might be sacrificing something, but it's always to get ahead. It's always to do something better than that you were doing last time. And, and I mean, and there's, there's so many ways to skin the cat, right? You can, you know, use different types of loans to get to where you need to go, or you can, you know, just, you know, I guess you know, cash, cat, you know, you can certain amount of cash or whatever, right? I was always, I'm losing my words here. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting excited talking about money. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's. It's you should just look into whatever you need to do, because when it comes to sacrificing your time, your 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 money, your your whatever it is. Right. You you have to look into what is the offset? What is the opportunity? What is whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they, they may not focus too much on personal development because I don't know who actually has this problem. I couldn't tell you, but from some of the people I've interacted with, it's that they're not taking the time to really look at, you know, their life, their situation or where they're at. And maybe it's because they're comfortable with the situation they're in, or maybe they don't want to do more than what they currently are, but they're not looking to improve it more. So they're, I don't think they're looking to, you know, make those sacrifices. Like they're okay with, you know, going out with their friends and, you know, making X amount of money, I know, looking a certain way fitness wise and not looking to improve upon that. Like not everyone wants to get a six pack, right? Which is cool. Not everyone wants to make a lot of money, which is cool. Not everyone wants to provide for their family, which isn't really cool, but I guess. Right. Yeah, I know, right? But I mean, there are all those people out there. I think that's probably more of a majority of the people is that they're not looking to improve. So they're not looking to make sacrifices. Yeah, and I can see, you know, okay, you're trying to hit a certain comfort spot so you can focus that energy in another area. I, I can see that because I've even I thought of that, right? If you found a job that is less stressful, all right, then and then doesn't require much of you, which allows you to focus your energy in another area where you can spend more more time studying, spend more time on research, trying to figure out where you want to go, what do you want to do? So, so I kind of get the comfort part, but it still puts you in a position where you have to be a little uncomfortable. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's either you're going to be uncomfortable right now, or you know, at some point that uncomfortable that all those uncomfortable feelings will will meet you, right? Yeah. Because you know, it may be uncomfortable to you know not sleep as much or you know focus on trying to make money and stuff like that. But it's yeah. also uncomfortable not being able to make your bills, you know, being like being stuck at a job that you don't like, you know, yeah, being laid off because you're not improving, stuff like that, right? I think yeah. those are also uncomfortable. So it, it's, it, there's also like that common saying where like fast food, right? While it's, you know, cheap or it can be cheap to get, right? It's going to cost you in your health in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, no, that, that's a true statement, man. But we'll say it. So it is important to note that sacrifice does not necessarily mean compromising your well-being, your values, or relationships. It's about making conscious choices and trade-offs that align with your goals and priorities. Success is a journey that varies for each individual, and the sacrifices required will depend on personal aspirations and circumstances. All right. Now we're getting down to our frugal and cheap. And cheap. All right. We may have said this before. And some way of fashion, but buying cash cars, I don't know that 
I maybe we just revisit it anyway. I, yeah. I think it's yeah. Is it frugal or cheap? You know. Well, I think that like the I think the previous one we used, and I'm kind of thinking about it now, is buying used cars or I can't remember. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's what I said. It was along the lines, but I don't know if I said cash cars because like cash cars to many people can, can mean different things to people. Yeah, cash car could mean hoopty. Uh, if you, you know, if you got, if you got good income, uh, that means just buying a car in cash in general. So, you know, we, you know, like, you know, when it comes to this situation, I, I still think it's frugal either way it go, unless, you know, cause what if your situation requires you to buy a cash card that is a hoopty? And the only thing is you just got to have that, you know, mental capacity to understand that if you're going to buy this car, it's, it still could break down on you. So that means you need to go check it out first. Yeah. No, don't just buy it because you can buy it. Yeah. No, I think buying cash cars is also frugal because at, at the end of the day, if you finance a car, the you're not going to be paying for a appreciating asset or something that's going to gain for most cars. Most cars, yeah, most cars. There, there are you know those handful of cars that are appreciating assets, but most of them you probably couldn't afford with cash. And but the ones you, you probably can, they're going to depreciate at some point. So when you look to sell it, whether you still have it financed or you have it owned outright, it's going to be a lot less than what you paid for it. So if you can yeah. save yourself, I don't know what auto rates are right now, but let's say four or five percent off of whatever you buy. So if you buy like a twenty thousand dollar car, you could save yourself like a few grand, not not having to pay, you know, throughout five years, six years, whatever it is, and just pay it outright in twenty grand. Yeah, I mean, and, and like, again, I think I was looking this up, and it does make sense, right? So if you were to spend twenty grand on the cash car, right? All right, uh, does it make sense? Because then, like, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over here and take away twenty thousand from my savings or from an investment I already have to go buy this cash car, which you could have used that same twenty grand to go purchase another property or do something else, right? Yeah. That's that actually gives you more money. But if you're in a situation where you can pay twenty twenty k, you're probably already make, making really good decisions where to put your money. Hopefully, <laughs> and I, I say that because. Some people might, you know, might use a bonus, might use, you know, whatever it is, right, to to, to grab this. So, but for most people, if you're going to make a decision like that to pay, uh, pay cash for a car, hopefully you are in a, a good position or with your investments also. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's, I definitely think it's frugal because of that. Uh, I mean, I even uh, purchased a car cash, but it was more pleasure, right? I really wanted a, we call it a, a project car. Yeah. Uh, and I paid thirty six hundred for the car. Yes, I had to put a little bit of work into it because of the fact that the person didn't tell me everything that was wrong with it. They just told me the one thing that I could clearly see was wrong with it. So that's why they told me it was wrong. It's like, hey, it does this. But once yeah, I got the car home, started looking through it because I like working on cars. Man, I saw it had more issues, but the issues weren't to the point where I was like, I hated the project. Actually, I love the project even more because of some of the issues. So it, uh, it just depends on like, you know, what you're looking for at the time. Yeah. I I mean even my my wife's car. I mean I was I was being nice because uh, it was it was our anniversary. Actually, our anniversary uh, was yesterday too. So actually, two years ago on on this day, I, I bought her a car. But I basically took a car that I already had paid off that actually had a lot of value in it, and I took it and pretty much I think I had a little bit left over, so I just financed that at a low rate. And then eventually just paid that off after a year because I just made payments slowly. And then, but uh, again, it was like the same thing. It's like, okay, what could I have done with that cash from that car? Right. Because <laughs> if I didn't want the car anymore, I could have used that, that 20 grand because that's about how much equity was still left in that car. I could have took that and did something else with it. But uh, again, that's 
you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, okay, make my wife happy. Yeah. <laughs> or go out here and just go buy more investments. Either either or she would have been happy in the end. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely say it's more of a, a frugal thing just because, you know, you'd be saving your saving money in the in the long run with a depreciating asset specifically. Yeah, I wouldn't say the same about buying. I wouldn't necessarily tell somebody to buy a house in cash because it's houses are typically an appreciating asset. So you would for like say if you bought a house for 100k, right, and you had 100k in cash, you can buy you know probably a nicer house or a better house for 20k with the 20 percent down, or you could buy a 100k house, or you could buy multiple houses with you know 20k down. So and at some point they will appreciate you know past what your equity is and. You would, you would have some of this cash flowing and stuff like that. So that's that's an example where I would think, you, I don't know if that would be frugal or cheap or anything, but I just think it wouldn't would be as well thought out plan. Yeah, yeah. But all in all, I think we agree that buying a cash car could be on the frugal side. Definitely not cheap. I know some people like to look at it that way, but it's not a, it's a, it's a way to get ahead. If you could pay cash, you're not making X amount of payments to the bank with that certain interest rate. You could actually take that same money and put those same payments towards something else that could help you. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Craig and Jay signing off the Troubleshoot Life Podcast. We'll see you next week. See you next week.